Herb joined us on the Down to Business podcast today. Let me first and foremost start off by asking everyone out there a question. When you really think about it, have you ever had someone or something in your life that truly empowered you, inspired you, motivated you, almost a call to action in a sense? I feel like if you really think about the time period of your life and just everything that you've gone through and people you've come across, you can definitely attribute that to something. And for Herb, he attributes that to his father early on. He really saw the difference that his father was making in the lives of not only individuals, not only families, but companies. And so what did that do? That really motivated him to want to continue that legacy. And he did just that, and he is still doing just that. But as you listen to this interview, I really challenge you to keep two things in mind. Two time periods, to be more specific. 12 to 36 months, which is one to three years, and then 34 years. So I say that to say, you know, as someone who is only 26 years old, when he put that 34 year perspective in my mind, it truly blew me away. But it not only did that, it lit a fire under me and only inspired me to continue to go harder for myself and my brand. And I hope that it will do just the same for you. Because he even gave a call to action as to a book that you should get and a book that will truly help you and elevate you and your business to the next level. So without further ado, Enjoy episode 128, Simplified Solutions. All right, I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of the Down to Business podcast here with Tamar Turner. As we move through the months, we move through the content, we move through the knowledge, we move through the information, but nonetheless, always excited, always very happy to be sitting down with business owners, entrepreneurs, creators, professionals, honestly, even people who want others to succeed, who want to help, you know, who have gone through different things in life, who have started startups who have abandoned those startups, maybe sold those startups, helped those startups succeed or scale up and different things like that. But essentially, always here to help, always here to plug people in. So today's interview, I'm sitting down with Herb. I'm pretty sure that this will really be no different after kind of going through his background, after being reached out to by his team and really just going through one, his website, media sheet, everything like that. I was thoroughly impressed. Just And, and I'm sure that, you know, after you guys kind of, I don't want to spoil anything. I'm going to make him tell you guys everything. So I'm sure once he, you know, really gets into what he does and how he can be of service to a lot of people kind of tapping in, I'm sure you guys will be just as impressed, if not more. And you guys should be running to click that button to tap in with him, to reach out to him and everything like that. So Herb, how are you doing today? How's everything on your end? Tamar, I'm doing great. We're battling a little bit of uh, bad weather here in New England, getting about six, eight inches, but otherwise I'm great and just happy to be here with you and your listeners on Down to Business. Absolutely. So I'm going to I'm going to send my, you know, prayers and best wishes down here from Tampa, Florida. It is kind of the complete opposite of that. But I will say, you know, coming from Philadelphia, coming from upstate New York and even the Bronx, New York, I understand the snow. So I'm, I'm definitely hoping that you guys are staying as safe and as warm as possible. But nonetheless, yes, we are very excited to have you. We're very excited to get into all things that you do. So for my listeners out there, I know you're going to have some people tapping in from your side. And then I know we're going to have some newcomers along the way. Can you, one, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? And then can you, two, just tell us what brings you on the Down to Business podcast today? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I, I've been very fortunate. Since a young age, I grew up in a family business. So I always loved going to work, seeing my dad work. My mom supported my dad as he was working to build the business from the ground up. And, you know, that can be challenging. Um, But I always loved to watch the way he treated people, the way people reacted to him, the way he helped people get gainful employment, the way he helped people outside of work deal with some of life's really challenging issues. And it really stuck with me that I wanted the freedom and the independence to be an entrepreneur, to call my own shots, but also to make a difference. 
and do something that would have impact for my family and for the communities that we served. So I've been fortunate that I've been starting and running three different companies. I've been in business now for over 34 years. We navigated probably about 15 different recessions over our company's history. Uh, the first business starting in 1966. And you see a lot of good, bad, and ugly, and yet you learn from that and you want to share those experiences so other people don't have to learn the hard way that they can benefit from others who have been there, done that, to help you accelerate through it quicker with less drama, getting to the goal that you want for you and your business. Man, that's just that intro in itself. That's very, you know, impressive, interesting, just to date, even go back that far, way before I was born. I was born in 96. So even just to think about what was going on back then, what, but even from a business perspective now, you know, I, I think now about how to me and just my generation, it seems like that the pandemic really propelled a lot of us into this world of business ownership, entrepreneurship, yes. starting up things, wanting to kind of be on your own, but to really hear that oh, well, it, it kind of makes my mind blow up just a little bit and think, well, this was dating back all the way to the 60s, if not before, that people have always been trying to make or break or, like you said, even start from the ground up, which I could imagine now, as hard as that is now with even the mass of resources, with even the mass of money, with even the mass of connections and people, I could imagine that 40, 50 years ago, it was 10 times harder and it was a lot to go on. And like you said, it was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of different things that you had to do. So with you coming into that family business, what are some of, I would say, your earliest memories, just things that you remember, whether it be the pros of the business, the cons of the business, how maybe yeah. how hard you had to work? Because I know in just hearing about you and, and, and how you spoke to your dad, he sounds like an amazing man. And he sounds like somebody who I may have shared a lot of sentiments with, because ultimately it's not always about that revenue. It's not always about that monetary yeah. and just being lucrative. It's more so about those relationships, those connections, just how you treat people. So what are some of your earliest and even fondest memories, I would say, of really get, getting into business back then and really helping things kind of grow to what they are? Yeah, um, thank you. I, I think my fondest memories are all, all around moments with people I worked with, people we served. Um, there was a gentleman that had been out of work for over six months, very hard on his family, wife and children. And the wife came in one afternoon and said, I have a gift for you because we helped him get a job. And we didn't want we didn't want a gift, but she was so happy to say thank you. And she gave me a tie. And for me, that was like a bar of gold, you know, because people didn't have to do anything. But the the fact that that was significant and it made such a difference on their family during that really tough time, that made a difference for me to want to go out and help thousands more people get work. And not only get a job, get meaningful work where they can put their heart and soul into it and know that whatever the work is, is giving back to their communities in addition to supporting them and their family. Many people have a job, a few people have a career, but boy, when you can find your vocation, what you were born to do, there's no looking back. And I want to help as many people as I can find what they were born to do in the form of a business, a business plan, and help them bring it to life. Because if we can do that over and over, we are going to change the world. And that to me is a wonderful 
aspiration to have as an entrepreneur working together? Something that can seem so minuscule, something that can seem just so so little to, to you, like you said, just or even someone else hearing about, you know, a tie. And but just here. But if you think really about the story behind the tie, the purpose behind the tie, it, it makes the meaning of it 10 times more. Because like you said, she didn't have to do anything. You were really just doing something out of the kindness of your heart, which you love to do something that, you know, you grew up. It was just ingrained. in You You didn't think twice about it. But for others, you know, it's a little harder journey. It's not always about because you even said it in yourself. It's one thing to have a job. It's one thing to have a career. But ultimately, what's your vocation? What's your calling? What's something that you wake up every day? And you would just love to do. You would be happy about it. You wouldn't think twice about it. You wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't really seem like a task to you. And I think that oftentimes that journey for us, that journey for business owners, that journey for entrepreneurs, that journey for just us as people in, in general can be hard. It can steer you away. It can, you know, lead to years and years of just frustration or it can even lead to years of complacency because we often see times where, you know, people may have. I've talked to so many business owners and entrepreneurs who ultimately came into business or started doing what they were doing because they recognized that they had a hobby. Or they love something, or they really just took a step back and said, hmm, what is something I do every day? What is something that I, I love to do? Do I like collecting things? Do I like helping people? Do I like designing things? Do I like painting? Do I like singing? You know, and ultimately they decided to move into this sector of, of business or entrepreneurship. But ultimately, for a lot of others, sometimes we don't get those opportunities. Sometimes we don't have those resources. Sometimes we don't even have those people around us to say, hey, sometimes you just have to ask that question. Well, what do you like to do? What is it? What's your calling? What do you love? What do you wake up every day and you're just passionate about? So the fact that, you know, for you, it, it was just second nature. But for her, you know, you completely changed that family's yeah. life. And, and I really think that that is so amazing. So even kind of going further a little bit, I think about a lot of these businesses. I think about a lot of these entrepreneurs, these startups, anything like that. I think about that, you know, similar to your father. They all had to start a foundation. They all had to start somewhere. They all had to whether it was waking up and writing down an idea whether it was then capitalizing on, on that idea, whether it was doing some research on that idea. So something that you asked me even before we started this interview was scaling up versus starting. Yeah. For my people out there who know who know neither or who may know one, but not the other, or who may know both, but may not be as versed. Can you explain to us a little bit of the differences or can you explain to us a little bit of the size of both of scaling up versus starting? Yeah. Up? Um, so uh, th- an interesting facts I'm going to share. There's about 28 million plus businesses in the U.S. today. Do you know that only 4% of 28 million ever make it over 1 million a year or more in revenue? So that means 96% of the companies are smaller private lifestyle companies because people have a passion, they're, they have a livelihood, and they want to be their own boss. That's wonderful. It's amazing. It helps so many people in our community. But there is another group of people that are under a million that want to be a $10 million company someday, that want to be a $100 million, not because of just sales, but because of growing bigger futures for them and their people. And they think their service makes a difference. They want to share it with more and more people. Now, here's the interesting stat. Less than one half of 1% of 28 million people, companies, ever make it to 10 million or more. That scared me when I first heard that. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you'd be telling me 100 million, half a billion, 10 million? 
not even 1% can hit that. So the good news is you can hit it, but it's not easy and you need the right plan and you need the right framework to guide your company through it. We were one of those companies that had really hard working people. I thought my people were smart, but we'd never been to that next stage. We didn't know what we didn't know. So we were confusing the wrong answers to the wrong questions. And we needed to figure out how to deal with the complexity of adding more people, adding more clients, adding more products, opening more locations. It all adds up to complexity and that's hard to navigate. Somebody gave me this book back in early 2000 called Scaling Up. It's a framework of how to make better decisions around the growth plan for your company. We devoured it when we got it. And we started to work harder, but smarter, making better decisions tomorrow around four key areas. Better people decisions, we had a lot of drama. Better people decisions, employees, clients, suppliers, bankers, all made the drama go down. Strategy, our top line wasn't growing quick enough. Our margins were not healthy enough. We needed to make better strategy decisions to get it going. And then execution, we were working 60, 70 hours a week and had little money on the bottom line to show for it. Who wants to continue doing that for the next 10 years? So we needed to execute better, but we weren't sure where and exactly how as more and more employees were coming on board. And then the final area was cash. Growth sucks cash. And in the early days, all we worried about is how do we make payroll? Do we have enough money to make payroll? As we got bigger, do we have money to hire that great executive that's finally available that would really help this company get to the next level, but I couldn't afford it two years ago, but I have enough cash that I can? Or what about that acquisition that finally became available that would be a perfect add-on to your company for the next stage? You can finally afford that. So it was opportunity growth versus just keeping the lights on. And so we learned about those areas. We found that each stage brought different challenges within the four and we navigated them better and that helped us get to that rare small group of people that get 10 million or more each year. That's amazing because it's like, you know, coming into business or just thinking about business models, companies, startups, bigger companies, smaller companies, everything like that, you know, they all come in with some sort of framework, some sort of handbook, some sort of rules and regulations, procedures, process with things. But something that I'm really hearing with, what you just explained, these four different sectors, is that even though you have this framework, even though you have this foundation, even though you have this base, there have to be improvements. There have to be adjustments. Sometimes you have to go back to the drawing board. Sometimes you have to update and adjust. I think that sometimes, and it kind of speaks to those statistics, because honestly, I'm a numbers guy. Math was always my favorite subject in school. So hearing that, like you said, my eyes were lit up. My head is just like, wow, that's that's scary. Very scary. You know, to, to think about 28 million. 
and then you drop it down to four percent and then less than half of one percent that's i don't think people are really understanding those numbers so i think even as y'all are listening rewind a little bit do the math do those numbers look at that and, and just see how many companies that is see how many people that is see how many visions that is but ultimately to my point about these this this framework however it's established the same way that i'm, I'm a firm believer that the same way traditions the same way that things were set in stone they're meant to be adjusted. They're meant to be broken. They're meant to be new records or different things like that. You think about the Guinness Book of World Records, you know, we don't just look at this book and just say, okay, well, they did that. I'm never going to attempt it again. I'm never going to do that. You know, you're going to try at it. You're going to come at it from different angles. You're going to try different things. You're going to do some research. You're going to watch some things. You may even study who set said record. So I think with companies and businesses alike, you have to do that same thing. You have to recognize what may be working for you, what you put emphasis on. What, how, how is your quarter growth here? How is Q1 growth versus Q2 growth versus Q3 versus Q4 and so on and so on? You know, I look at maybe your most lucrative year versus your not so best year. What did you do differently? Where did you make cuts? Where did you, you know, employ everything? I think that is so important to hone in on everything and not just try to figure out, you know, well, what was working best in this moment or what did we do right here? Because sometimes it's a little it could be a little bit of everything. It could be that, you know, of the four things that you just listed to me, don't just focus on one. Don't just focus on two. Don't just focus on three. Focus on all four in some capacity because, you know, they're all going to elevate and gradually lift you to where you need to be. So that kind of leads me into my question of, OK, so we think about this four percent. We think about this less than one percent. Do you feel as if there are companies that based off those companies who reached a 10 million mark who don't reach the 10 million mark? Would you say that it's a combination of luck of the draw? Would you say that these may have been one hit wonders? Would you say that these companies truly and thoroughly honed in on what was working for them and, and what wasn't versus other companies? Would you say it's lack of resources, exposure? What would you really say are the true differentiating factors or factor between a company that's going to beat that 4%? I mean, going to be in that 4% or versus a company that's going to be in that 96%? Um, it's not a fluke. And most of the companies that I work with because of their hard work and commitment to the frameworks, do it year over year over year. And that was one of my frustrations earlier, Tamar, is that we've had a good year, but then we'd have a crappy year. And a good year, we couldn't get like a great perennial football team. You wanted to win over and over and over. And that to me showed that you had great leadership. But I think one of the pivotal differences are Scaling up CEOs and leaders have a commitment to growth. And there's a lot of companies that are going to stay what I call lifestyle companies. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But these CEOs, they want to double, normally double their company every three to five years. They don't know exactly how they're going to do it, in what flavor, what market but they have a growth orientation. Second most important thing, they have a commitment to develop themselves and their team. You can't get 10X company growth without 10Xing the people building it. So by developing your people in the right areas helps you develop a company that will grow from those right areas. Third thing, it's hard to hire A players. It's hard, harder to keep them. If you cannot provide a bigger future for A players, they'll find it someplace else. 
That's what got me really focused on scaling up. Herb had a nice company. Life was okay. But I wasn't going to keep the great people with me too long if I wasn't committed to making a bigger future for them with me and scaling up. Um, think of it this way. A vision is a dream with a plan. The scaling up gave me the knowledge on how to create a simple one-page strategic plan. Now, I've read from school 20 or 30-page plans. They're wonderful, but you can, all your employees in your company can't understand it, and they aren't going to follow it. But let me just share some with you. Hold on. What if I could create a plan so simple it's literally on one page. Literally one page. Now, I got this from football coaches because you know how they have their plays on the sideline? And I'm like, what if I could carry this around and I'd always know my vision so simple I could share it with anybody that asked me and I'd be that focused on it and everybody in my company could get a copy if they wanted and I'd share that with them too. That was the simplicity of it. That's why it worked, because we kept it so simple. And that allowed us to make the steps we needed to. Simplicity is key, man. And I, I really, I love that. And even, I guess, in nature of, you know, the postseason and the playoffs and different things like that, that, that analogy that you made with the coaches is very important. It's, it's amazing how much information that they're holding from play calls to just different schemes is on that one sheet of paper. And you always can see them covering their mouth with it and different things like that. But it's so much information listed on that. But like you said, it's easy to follow because imagine for all my sports fans out there, imagine if you just saw a football coach stapling a packet and going through page after page, that would be, you know, it would be that you'd be losing plays, delay of games, losing time. You'd be missing things. So like you said, clear cut and concise in that to one thing. I think that that's so important, not only for the business owner, but also for the parts of it, because like you said, you're going to have to be able to not only communicate this to others, but they're going to have to be able to understand it, possibly even give feedback on it, possibly build upon it and everything like that. So if they, if they don't have a set and I guess a, a orientation on, on how to do it. If they're kind of just all over the place or if they're like, wow, we got to go through 30 pages, 20 pages, 15 pages, that can be a yeah. little bit overwhelming. You can miss details here. You can miss one of the critical decisions, everything like that. So the fact that you were able to, you know, narrow that down like that, and that's so key. And I know that it can be so helpful to obviously the businesses that you've already been able to interact with, but even some of the people who I know are going to continue to tap in moving forward. So I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about all of the people who I've talked to, business owners, entrepreneurs, mental health, real estate, you name it. I can go industry after industry after industry. Would you say that when it comes to what you do, your main focus, how you're assisting others and how you're really imparting your knowledge upon those who really need it the most, do you stick to any specific industries or sectors? Do you feel like what you have done and what you're kind of what you know, what you've been able to kind of build and develop is universal to everything? You really just have to apply it to your niche. How would you really, you know, yeah, how no, would you thank describe you, that? Tamar, um, what I've personally found is it's really industry agnostic. It doesn't matter if you're a service industry, if you're a product industry, I have an engineering firm in Nebraska. I have a marketing firm in the Philippines. I have a company that uh, sells and distributes slush, you know, kids slush drinks at a 7-Eleven. 
They have 800 of them deployed in South Africa. I have another company that has nursing services in Australia. I have a company that sells educational furniture for K through 12 schools in Canada. It's, it's agnostic, but what isn't is the decisions about people, strategy, execution, and cash. They apply to all companies. Wow. I, I, I mean, I'm, I, what did I tell everybody listening at the beginning? I told y'all, look, and even in just the intro that he gave, if y'all are not, you know, as impressed as I am, then maybe you need to rewind a little bit and rewatch this. You know, that is amazing to think about, you know, where the podcast has even went from being in 38 different states, being in 57 different countries, being able to have live events and hit different people in different places. I think that that's amazing. The fact that, you know, like you said, you just named totally different areas, totally different industries, everything like that. But the fact that they're all able to bring it all together and all able to succeed, to scale, to grow, to build upon that. And that's amazing. So furthermore. Like I said, I've, I've talked to, you know, people who do hair. I've talked to people who are in the music industry. I've talked to people who are in real estate, clothing, you name it. I've talked to a, a woman who makes her own dog trees. I've talked to people who make skincare and hair care products. So when it comes to you, when it comes to them, you know, somebody may listen to this interview and say, wow, I love everything that he said. I love the one page plan. I love the four sectors that he hit. I love really where he's going and what he's building. If somebody was to reach out to you and ultimately tell you that, hey, I have this. I listen to your 4% and 96% comparison. I don't want to be that under 10 mil. I want to build. I want to grow. I'm willing to put in the work. I'm willing to build upon the foundation that I've already set to make this happen. What can they expect, you know, when, when yeah. reaching out to you to utilize any of the services or anything like that? What is Let really me see that how like? I can best help people. If you don't know anything about scaling up and you do nothing more from the podcast but go out and get the book, it's the best 20 bucks you're ever going to spend. And I self-implemented myself for the first year and a half. But I'm going to tell you, it's what I didn't know was the reason why I got a coach. Because a friend said to me one day at dinner, he goes, you know, this isn't like a hobby. You're fooling around with your company. And why would you fool around with your company versus getting somebody who's been there, done that, made the mistakes so that you could go through them easier and quicker. But some companies are smaller in the beginning and you may not have the budget for a business coach. And that's why I want everybody to know that there's still something for you. Even if you only get the $20 book, you're gonna be better off. You can buy it on Amazon. I am not the author. None of the money goes to me. But it was a book that truly changed my entire life. I've read a lot of books, but not all of them are life changing. As an entrepreneur, this one was for me. Second thing is I'm also the professor of the Scaling Up Master's Business course. So if people are looking for a class, you can go to growthinstitute.com and check out classes. But if you're looking for a coach that can help you with education, adoption, implementation, and mastering the scaling up frameworks for your company, then you can go to my site, aspiregrowthadvisors.com, or you can email me, Herb, 
at AspireGrowthAdvisors.com. I've had many people help me get to where I am today, and I want to do whatever I can to help others get there too. And man, I, I really just think that that speaks a lot of, of, to your character and just who you are as a, as a person and who you're, you're upbringing and, and just everything. So I, I think I owe a lot of that as well to your father, to your parents, everything, to your family, to who you were surrounded by. Because oftentimes we see that someone could have the same life story as you, has a, a very hardworking family around them, have family business, everything like that, who went through the ringer, pros, cons, yeah. trials, tribulations, everything. And sometimes they don't always want to reciprocate that same energy onto others. Sometimes they want people to sure. struggle just as how they struggle. But the fact that they're saying, hey, been there, done that. Why would I want you to, you know, lose countless months, lose time, lose money, lose experience, lose people, lose relationships, anything like that, lose any part of those four sectors when I could just help you out, when I could implement something that would change that completely for you. And I think that, you know, that that really just goes to show the selfless approach that you take with anybody, no matter who you are. You know, you recognize that, look, it's possible. And I, I and I think if, if somebody came into this interview before and didn't think it was possible, didn't think that they could hit six figures, 10 million, 100 million, anything like that. I think that between the book, I think that between the course, I think that between even just with you in general, they should believe that. I believe it now. Now I have different visions and things like that for the podcast. That's going to be one of the first things I order when I get off this interview. Like you said, just because, you know, I may not be able to start necessarily with the coach or with the course or anything like that, but I can work my way up there. I can take proactive steps to make sure that I get there because, you know, me getting that book may help me scale up, may help me then be able to afford the, the course, then may be able to help me to afford the coaching. And then who knows what can happen from there, a better team, just implementing different things around me. So I think it all it's all about that start. But I think the fact that you're literally telling people, hey, I can help you. I can I can allow you to not make the same mistakes that I made, because at one point I didn't know. And I didn't know, but I had to learn just the same. But a lot of times we get those people who just say, oh, I didn't know. Well, now I know what well, you need to find out or now you want to charge a book amount of dollars instead of just being able to help. And plug in. And sometimes people really want everybody to work their way up that hierarchy and that totem pole almost as if it's like a competition or almost as if, you know, we're facing one another. But if we just come together, if we collaborate, if we realize that, hey, you may have a skill set, you may be versed in this, you may be really knowledgeable and have expertise in that. And we put that all together piece by piece, little by little. Well, the foundation is only going to continue to grow, continue to build. And then on top of that, like you spoke to the consistency. We don't just want to be one hit wonders here. We don't just want to have a good year followed by two bad years and then another good year. And, then you know, we want to be able to replicate this over and over and over again, because then that will really show, OK, we have something going here. I love that a lot. So for someone who may listen to this interview, for someone who may see what you've done, go through the website, go through the media page, hear your background, hear your backstory and still not believe that, you know, 10 million is possible, 100 million is possible whether it be because of what the society and just the times that we're living in, whether it be because, you know, they haven't seen a dramatic increase in funds or whether it be because they don't even have a team around them or they feel like, you know, they've had some great months, but they've had some bad months. Sure. They can't get too consistent with it. What do you say, what do you say to somebody who offers out that doubt, who really says that, Herb, you know what? I really can't, I, I can't foresee this for my business. I can't foresee this for my craft. I don't even think I'm in a $10 million sure. industry to um, begin. Well, it took me 34 years to get where I am today. There is no shortcut and where you're at today, it may feel a lot more overwhelming than where I'm at today. But I think the big thing is you have to take the first step. If the worst thing you do is get the book and you grab a little knowledge and it helps you formalize your vision a little more, 
you're understanding your markets better. Maybe you make, you make the next best hire on your team. You'll start to build confidence. You'll get traction. You'll get credibility. And so now maybe you're 500,000, but next year you get to a million. And then you're like, wow, two years ago, I never thought I'd even be open two years. But now what if I could get to two million? So I, what I've seen is the first million, just to keep it simple for our solopreneurs and such, the first million is about proving you have market traction. To get to a million in revenue, I put my head down and I focus on sales and marketing because if I can't build a million dollars worth of market traction, how the heck would I ever scale it to five, 10 million and beyond? But I don't try and juggle a hundred things in the first million. I'm just really leaning into sales and marketing to prove that there's a big enough traction there to scale. Once I get to 1 million, I'm thinking about now I have to execute. Now I'm scale. Can I do what I did for 10 people for a thousand people in a row? And I'm really focused on building that healthy bottom line. I have customers coming in, but now am I managing it? Am I starting to collect cash? Am I really starting to build my brand reputation? Am I hiring the next right employee that shares my values and my purpose? Then when I get to 10 million, now I'm really, really about market. How do I get to new markets, new products offerings? And I'm really expanding because my flywheel now is really cranking. But you have to be comfortable meeting yourself where you're at. And if you're in that first million, you just got to put your head down and you got to do it. You just got to be focused. It's no easy road, but you can do it. Scaling up the, the frameworks, I, I feel, realistically take 12 to 36 months to get rooted and make a big difference. And if you're looking for a one month, one quarter change, not going to happen. Don't waste your time. Don't buy the book. But if you're committed to transformational change, I look at it three phases. Number one is the framework education. Number two is framework adoption. You start putting some of the frameworks in your company. Number three, mastery. Because when you start to master something, good things happen. But if you're committed to be an entrepreneur, I would not start any new company, I've done three, I wouldn't do any without doing this from day one, knowing what I know. I wouldn't even attempt it just because it will make your life so much easier. Man, you say 34 years, you say education, adoption, and mastery. It, I, I really want everybody to truly hone in and to listen to that just because I, I think that it's important. I think so many times we, comparison is the is the thief of joy, man. And I think that we look, you could look at somebody like yourself. You could look at somebody like any of the businesses and startups or whomever you have worked with or worked for or helped. And they just think that, you know, sometimes these were overnight sensations. Sometimes they just, you know, the success was just imminent and it just happened just like that. But no, like you said, 
34 years. The framework itself is 12 to 36 months. To put that in perspective, yep. that's one yep. to three years for everybody out there. You know, so the, if, if you're not, he just, Herb just said it very clear and concisely. If you're not willing to put that time in, to dedicate that, to put your head down and just lock in, then then don't even bother. I think, you know, don't don't worry about trying to wake up tomorrow and just go crazy or just have a, a great day. No, you should be worried about trying to have consistently great days, great weeks, great months, great years, because then, they, you know, they trickle down and then eventually it becomes second nature. And I think what you said is really so important. Thirty four years. I'm not even thirty four years old yet. So for me to, you know, get impatient for me to get upset for me to, you know, it it one, it'll show my passion. Yes, it does show my passion. I love this podcast. I would do anything for it. But what really also am I in this for? Am I in this to just get on TV really fast? Am I in this to just make a lot of money in a, in, in a, in a short amount of time? Or am I in this for the impact? Am I in this to really get knowledgeable, to learn, like you said, to get the book, to learn knowledge, to, to educate myself, to then adopt those principles and then to master those principles? Am I here to talk to individuals like yourself who imparted so much knowledge on myself, who lit a fire under me, but who also kind of also in the same breath told me, be still, be calm. Be patient. Recognize that, you know, if this is something that you really love, if this is something that you really want to do, then it's going to happen. It's not going to happen the way that you want it to, the way that you expect it to. That would be too easy. It's going to happen with 34 years of work. It's going to happen with one to three years of building that framework, capitalizing that framework and expounding upon that. So I, I think the fact that, you know, you've put in the time, you've put in the work, you it, it's, it's clearly showing you're still doing it, the plan, everything. And you're still willing to help others. You're still willing to impart that time and time again. I would tap in if I were y'all. I would listen. He hasn't held that book up that many times for no reason. You know, that's important. Scaling up. So make sure that y'all are really paying attention to that. But also in a sense too, make sure that you're really in it for the right reasons. It's not always about the monetary. He talked about his father. And just the impact that his father had on him, bringing him up. And he saw his father at a very young age, just helping people, just keeping those relationships, just building that rapport. And that was really his framework for getting into business. He didn't heard them come on here and say that he saw his father make a lot of money. And he said, you know what? I want money, too. I'm going to do that just the same. No, because had had he been raised from the money perspective or had he been raised just seeing, you know, the income, the revenue, the fancy cars, the fan, anything of that. The lifestyle may have not, it may have not panned out thing. He may not still be doing this. He may not have talked about 34 years, about a one to three year framework, you know? So I think how you approach and how you educate yourself and how you adopt and what you choose to master is so, so, so important, man. So I, one, I, I just thank you. I thank you for being a motivation to me. I thank you for all the work that you've done. I thank you for just being so selfless because I I could just imagine just from even the story you told me about the tie. I could imagine that you've done that time and time and time and time again over your 34 years, whether you realize it or not, whether it was, you know, I would say whether it's deliberate or whether it was inadvertent, I feel like that you're help you're helping people right now on this interview talking to me, and 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 you really don't even realize you've helped me, you know, just sitting down and we're really just having a conversation. So I really take my hat off, imaginary in this case, but you know I, I really do love everything that you're doing, and I time and time again I'm going to continue to encourage you know my following, my audience, my listeners, everything. To really just tap in, to ask your questions, to get the book, to get some knowledge, to, you know, like you said, he, he said you didn't have to start off just swinging for the fences. You start small. Let's get to the plate first. Then after we get to play, let's get to first base. You know, you don't have to come up there trying to hit a home run every single time because a home run sometimes is going to come when you least expect it. Or the home run is going to come 12 to 36 months later. Or that grand slam is going to come 34 years later. And it's going to make all that framework, all those practices, all those misses, all those bunts, all those, you know, getting yelled at, missing the base, striking out, grounding out. 
popping out. I, I just went totally baseball on y'all, but you know, it's going to make all of that feel so much more worth it. So that way, you know, when you're, when you're at the average consistently that you want, when you're batting and you're bringing in the numbers and you're doing everything that you need to, man, that appreciation is going to be different. So I'm thinking about, you know, we touched on a host of different things that you have a vast array of experience with different industries, different countries, different people, everything like that. Do you feel like through everything that we've talked to today, everything that we've kind of got into, even the the framework, just the four important principles, what you need to focus on, everything like that. Do you feel like there's anything we haven't touched on? Do you feel like there's a message out there that you even want to continue to leave to business owners, entrepreneurs, startups, anything, solopreneurs, whatever you call them? Do you feel like that there's something out there or some things out there that the people still need to know or knowledge that they need from you? Thank you, Tamar. Or just Um, generally speaking. I think every business owner deserves the company of their dreams. We may struggle with how to get there, We may struggle with the different decisions we need to make. Uh, It's not unusual. A business owner will come to me and say, look, I'm so stressed. All I want to do is grow this for two years and sell it and get the hell out. But you know what ends up happening tomorrow? They end up getting into the framework. They end up making better people decisions, strategy, execution, and cash. And they end up falling back in love with their company because there's less drama. It's growing. They're doing the things they love. The people are growing. They have cash. They can take care of their family and community. Why would you want to sell it? Right? Not that you can't, but the main thing is don't let anybody tell you your dream. Be true to who you are, whether it's a $1 million company with three people or a $10 million company with 150 people, that be true to you. And remember, a vision is a dream with a plan. You need the simple plan. And if you have a simple plan, you can bring your dream to life. And that's what this will help you do. I love that. A vision is a dream with a plan, man. I I love every bit of that. So, Herb, I really just thank you. I thank you for everything that you're doing, everything that you got on here and talked about. I thank you for, you know, just just blessing us today, honestly, with just so much knowledge, with just even some motivation, because I'll tell you, I'll be the first to tell you again, if if somebody else wasn't motivated from this or somebody else doesn't feel that pressure, that heat now, I feel it. But I also feel, you know, in that same breath that I don't have to rush things. I don't need to compare. I don't need to worry about, you know, what the outside looking in is thinking, what other podcasts are doing, what other hosts and different TV and media outlets are doing. I need to focus on tomorrow and the down to business podcast. I need to focus on, like you said, just head down, just focusing on growth, but also looking at my framework and attacking everything equally. Because the same way, you know, I get into this and I give every asset of it, my attention from social media to promotion, to marketing, to everything is the same way that I need to also do that as I'm growing and as I'm scaling and not just say, okay, well, I'm tech savvy. I'm going to put all my motion into social media. Well, no, because what about those who aren't coming to me through social media? Because I, I was reached out by your team, had nothing to do with social media. You know what I mean? So if I wasn't acting in that aspect, I, I may have missed a connection here. Or I may have missed something. So I think that's a deeper message in just recognizing, you know, yes, it's okay to have strong suits. It's okay to be good at something. It's okay to recognize your skill set and what you like. But it's nothing wrong with being a Swiss army knife. It's nothing wrong with developing. There's nothing wrong with continuing to build upon that foundation, that framework. Because, you know, if even if I think about a house, 
I can't just focus on one side of the house or one area or one room or one side because, you know, my house is not going to be complete. If I'm so focused on what the back is going to look like and putting a pool back there and, and all this nice stuff and having a yard with a lot of space. Well, what about the bedrooms? What about the kitchen? What about the upstairs? What about the front? What about the foundation? How's my house going to sit? You know, if I'm so focused on one part. So I thank you for that so much. And I know you did it earlier in the interview, but just before we wrap up, I want to just do it one more time for everybody out there. One, can you just tell us the best places to get in contact with you, how to reach out, how to tap in with a lot of your resources? And then two, can you just share the book Uh, one more time with the author? Scaling Up, How a Few Companies Make It and Why the Rest Don't by Vern Harnish. And my website is Aspire Growth Advisors with an S dot com. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Herb Cogliano, Aspire Growth Advisors on LinkedIn. Tomorrow's it's been a pleasure. And for me to you, prayers for your family and, and having the passing of your grandfather. I'm very sorry. And yet you're here doing the work. And, and building your business amidst adversity. I respect that very much, but my prayers are for you and your family. I truly appreciate that. Thank you so much. And like you said, you know, I, I would even say that this, um, it, it just it just made me want to go even harder, just turn it up just a little bit more, just go one more notch higher for that. So I thank you. Um, I, I definitely appreciate, you know, the words of encouragement, the words of wisdom here, the love, everything like that. And I'm so excited to see, you know, my followers, my audience, even people who are going to be tapping into this, just grow. Let's all just scale up. Let's continue to start and work on that foundation and master it. But Herb, I'm very grateful for you. And I, I thank you so much. And I encourage everyone on here, if you heard something that, you know, stuck out to you, if you saw that book and you've never read it, before, if you saw that plan and and say that you don't have a plan yourself, or if you think about those four sectors, that framework that he talked about, and you say that you're not focusing on any of them, or you don't even have a framework, then I think we all have something to do here. And we all have some place to start. So without further ado, this has been another episode of the Down to Business podcast. Thank you. Have a great week.